Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Teferit Talk. I'm Melissa Stuttered, and this is the Blog Talk Radio Show for Teferit, a journal of spiritual literature, where we work to promote peace in the individual and in the world through writing. We're thrilled that you've joined us tonight, and we would love for you to also join our online community at www.teferitjournal.com. There, you can interact with other members, read their writings, post your own writings, and subscribe to the journal. As well, we'd like to extend a special invitation from Hay House Publishers to join authors Gabrielle Bernstein, Chris Carr, Nancy Levin, and Reed Tracy for a writer's workshop in New York City, June 22nd through 23rd. Visit our website for details and registration information. Tonight's guest is writer and writing teacher Julie Maloney. Maloney's first poetry collection, Private Landscape, was published in 2007, and in 2003 she founded Women Reading Aloud, a nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting women writers through special events and workshops. Maloney is a trained workshop leader in the Amherst Writers and Artists Method, an organization whose philosophy is that every person is a writer and every writer deserves a safe environment in which to experiment, learn, and develop craft. Maloney's teachings focus on what she calls the three-in-one principle, which asserts the equal value of the writer, the reader, and the listener. Of Maloney's first poetry collection, poet Charlotte Mandel states, Julie Maloney's poems in her collection, Private Landscape, move with the exquisite grace of her abilities as a dancer and choreographer. Dream narratives sing in delicate imagery. Pain of cancer is here, honestly revealed and transcended. Love is here in its greatest giving. There is not a trace of easy sentimentality. This is a collection to remember, at once personal and universal. Julie, welcome. Can you hear me? Yes, I can, Melissa. Uh, Wonderful. I can hear you, too. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for inviting me to be on the show tonight. Oh, thank you for joining me. And um, we've beaten some odds to be here, so I'm really, really excited to be able to talk to you now. Um, I wanted to go ahead and have you start by reading us a couple of poems, and I'd love to hear He Loves Me the Way He Knows Best and Teacup. Thank you so much, Melissa. I'm, I'll read He Loves Me the Way He Knows Best, and then maybe we can talk about it a little bit afterwards. Sure. He scoops me up off the toilet bowl and carries me back to bed. I have fallen asleep again, not deeply, but my eyelids are closed and I cannot move one inch from the tissue paper roll. I recognize his hands under my thighs 
They are strong and clean for cutting vegetables in the kitchen, chopping away the brown spots into the sink. He brings me oatmeal and tea and toast with jam, grilled cheese and tomato sandwiches, and plates them with a pickle. Buys bruschetta and Italian bread to sop up the red juice. Never mentions my bald head and round belly. At night, he tucks the sheets under my chin, places the prayer beads in my hands, climbs next to me in bed near the hole in my chest. Wow, that was a beautiful reading. Thank you. Um, the poem, I love the way it, well, first of all, let me just say that it's brave and beautiful, but I love the way you use the mundane of like um, oatmeal to mm-hmm. ground you know, ground the reader with this really, really extreme experience that's happening. Well, you know, some, the, the uh, reaction to this poem has actually surprised me over the years. It's become one of the, the favorites of, mm. uh, of the readers. And when I ask why, people explain to me that it's because they feel that I'm telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that actually for so many of us, for writers, it can be hard to tell the truth. But mm-hmm. once we make that commitment to letting the blank page be a container for where we want to put what we want to say, mm-hmm. then it actually becomes much easier. And I think once the commitment is made, the putting the words on the page then becomes easier. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great observation about your poetry in general, and that's the way I felt reading the whole collection was that you were just really putting yourself there um, with with honesty and bravery and truth, you know. Well, I remember when I was going to read uh, the very first time from this book for the book launch, and this was in 2007, and I did a book launch at Starbucks in a neighboring town. And on my way there, and I, my husband was driving me, and I was with my son, and he was going to introduce me. At the time, he was in his late 20s. And I had this horrifying thought, as, what am I doing? I'm really exposing myself out there. And I had to have a conversation with myself in the car. <laughs> and in a conver- <laughs> I'm not kidding. And really calm myself down and tell myself that I had already been the writer and now I was going to shift over and be the narrator and I was able to put my writing self sort of safe in between the pages. And when I could make that that choice, then I became very excited about reading and from then it really has, has always been a great pleasure for me to give a reading. But I, initially, it was I had to have that conversation with myself. Mm, wow, was it out loud? <laughs> <laughs> it was no, it was an inside conversation. No one knew I was having it. It was not out loud. Uh, I know, I understand. Uh, I've had several of those myself. <laughs> um, well, I know this collection revolves around your journey with breast cancer, and I wanted to see if you could talk a little bit about what it's meant to you to be able to find poetic expression for these experiences. 
Well, I discovered my poet's voice when I was writing about my journey through cancer. Uh-huh. And uh, I've had breast cancer twice in 2000 and then in 2003. And in 2000, I was not so much able to use writing as a healing tool. And But in 2003, I, I found myself really moving to the page and being able to use writing as a tool to discover what I was thinking about just gave me an amazing amount of healing time. And since that time, I've been leading writing workshops at a a major cancer center here in New Jersey at a hospital. And Mm -hmm. it's really an honor for me to do it, to to give these workshops, to listen to the voices, and to... We, we laugh, we cry together, we, we write incredible things, and I, have, I really feel humbled and very honored to give this kind of a workshop. Mm, that's wonderful. Um, you have a lot of different things that you're doing in the writing community, and I know you have this great organization called Women Reading Aloud, and uh, congratulations, you're just about to celebrate the 10th anniversary. Um, yes, we're so oh, excited. Oh, great. Would you tell us about that and how you came to found it and what it's all about? Women Reading Aloud is, uh, we're a nonprofit 501c3 organization, and it's uh, founded for the sole purpose of encouraging and supporting women's voices through writing. And I was just sitting one day with a friend in a coffee shop, and uh, this was around 2003, and I said, I really want to have something, some kind of forum where women can write, they can read aloud, they can be heard, and they can discover their creative side through writing. But most of all, they can discover that they have a voice that's unique and original. And I found this wonderful quote at that time by Brenda Ulan. She wrote this book, If You uh, Want to Write. I think it's a, she wrote it in 1938, I think. And she says, if, you know, everyone has an original voice. Everyone is unique. And as soon as I read those words, I thought, absolutely. And I wanted to continue that, that idea. And I have worked with women from throughout the country and outside the country. And I, I am completely and never-endingly astounded at the uniqueness and the beauty in everyone's voice. Mm. Mm, that's wonderful. So, now, oh, go ahead, please. So that's really, so I actually had the very first event in my home, and we started with 12 writers sitting around my dining room table. And I still give workshops in my home, and there are still writers sitting around my dining room table. <laughs> but I give, I give workshops many other places now, and but it's, I still open my home to writers. Mm, great. Um, and do you mind if I ask why why is or was it important to you to give a, a voice to women specifically? I mean, why not children? Or you know, mm-hmm. why was the focus women for you? So it's a good question, and I've been asked the question so many times, Melissa. But I think, <laughs> and you know, I grew up with uh, three sisters and uh, a mom and dad, and I think that I just felt feel very connected to the woman's voice. Mm. And I feel very strongly 
that even in this day and age, women have to fight for a voice. I didn't feel I had to fight for a voice while I was growing up, but I was somehow aware of the idea that there was there was a difference between men and women and what their opportunities were. Mm-hmm. And I just, I never felt as if I was certainly a quiet person and anybody who knows me would just probably fall over laughing at them because I was never a quiet person. And, but I, came, I, I just became somehow aware that everyone had a voice and that women sometimes hid theirs. Mm. And I, I find women coming up to me all the time. I was just speaking in California at a women's conference this uh, past January. And after I spoke, so many women came up to me and said they needed to put their story out there. They wanted to put their story on the page. And so somehow I became this advocate for doing that, and whatever the story is, and and in any genre, because I think no matter what genre we're writing in, we're still tapping into who we are somewhere inside there. Um. Now, you mentioned that you've been teaching at other places, and I know that you have a writer's retreat coming up in Greece. I wanted yes. to see if you could tell me a little bit about that. Um, I'd love to know when it is and how many openings you have left, and also what does a typical day look like for a participant in that? Well, I'll start from the last part because a typical mm-hmm. day is is – is so incredibly fabulous <laughs> because we're, we're living and writing on the Aegean Sea, uh, on the island of Alonisus, which is in the North Sparades, and it's clustered with three islands, with um, Skopelos and uh, Skaphos. And it's uh, not that far away from Turkey, actually. And my poetry is really what brought me there. Someone had read my book a few years ago and then found out that I gave writing workshops and asked me if I would bring writers to the island. And so I've been doing this now. This is our third year going back. We have 12 writers, women writers, from all all places. And I have actually one opening. And it's our typical day is we write in the morning from 9.30 to 12.30. Then we have uh, a break in the afternoon. And people can go to a private beach and swim. They can go for a walk into town. They can take a nap. They can just dream. They can go to yoga. Uh, it's it's so magical because of the time that's allowed for, for each writer to use it as she wants to. We have a few nights during the 10 days. We have three nights that are I call night rites. And all of our writing works, uh, take place in this taverna, which is just down the road. It's completely private for us. It's a three-tiered terrace taverna. And at night, you really feel as if you're writing with a one elbow leaning on paradise. Wow. We also, yeah, yeah. And, and we have a sunset cruise. We have welcome dinners on top, a welcome dinner on top of the mountain. We have a closed-in reception that's Everything about the island is warm and the people are hospitable. And it's, I feel at this point it's my second home. Wow. Well, and how often do you go? I, we are now going every June. 
and the retreat is from June 12th to the 21st. And everyone has their own private room, their private balcony, private bathroom, and and the food. It's the best baklava in the world, and it's the best <laughs> finished cheese pie you could ever want. Mm, I love that. <laughs> wow, it sounds like paradise. <laughs> it is. I have to tell you, it is. You know, I, I think the hardest thing for me is to just stop staring because it fills me up. Just looking at the water and watching the boats come in very quietly. It's a very quiet, non-tourist uh, fishing island. Mm-hmm. And we go on the shoulder season, so as I said, it's, it's the quiet, the tranquility is beautiful. Now, if people go to your website, can they see pictures of this? Oh, yes. We have a, a wonderful photo gallery. They could go to womenreadingaloud.org. and. Okay, and we have a photo gallery of, of all our different retreats on our workshops. And uh, it's, it's, as I said, it's magical. Yeah, great. And you also lead workshops in New Jersey, correct? Yes, we have a retreat coming up. It is sold out. We have a oh. retreat coming up on the end of April. And we have 20 writers. Again, they come throughout the United States and stay in uh a beautiful B&B, uh, one block from the boardwalk from the ocean. And this is our fifth year doing that. And I bring in a novelist, and a wonderful novelist, I think, who you interviewed a while ago, Jacqueline Sheehan. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, Jacqueline Sheehan and I are friends and colleagues, and we met at a retreat in Wales and also in Scotland, in the island of Cumbrae. And uh, since then, Jacqueline comes from Massachusetts, and we lead this retreat. And I'm very, very happy to have her with us when we do it. And it's, again, following the Amherst Writers and Artists Method, because I believe in this method, which is very much, again, acknowledging the power of the voice and working within a, a supportive environment and, and a safe environment and, and stretching the boundaries. I always think a writer has to stretch her boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, would you tell us a little bit about um, how the Amherst Writers and Artists Method has impacted the development of your own philosophies and techniques? Like, I know you have something called the three-in-one principle. Would you mm-hmm. tell us about that? Yes. A Moon Reading Aloud, as I said, is dedicated to voice, and it is we write, we read aloud, and then we listen and when I came across Amherst Writers and Artist Method, I realized how harmonious what I believe in and what this method is about. The method was started over 35 years ago by uh, a wonderful writer and poet, Pat Schneider, from Massachusetts. And uh, she wrote a book, Writing Alone and with Others. And when I came across this, it really is, again, discovering voice. It is... Uh, responding after you have read aloud, critiquing to what's working in the piece, what stays with you. And this is, again, right along the lines of women reading aloud, which is about support. I think I've become a huge uh, advocate, again, of I think we we can overcome so many things and deal with things if we feel supported. And I think writers work so much in an isolated environment that if they feel connected to a community, some kind of community where there's that balance. Uh, on, in our workshops and also on a retreat, I really try to balance that 
idea of solitude and community so that so that the writer yeah because I think a writer needs that I mean too much community then I think it's too crowded and and too much isolation becomes very lonely but I think if there's a balance and there's no for women reading aloud for instance there's there's no membership and I have writers for years who come and go and they come when they feel they need the community and then sometimes they pull back when they feel they need to get more quiet. Mm. And that sounds like such a wonderful, supportive environment. <laughs> yeah. And that's what we need, don't you think? I think that's what we need. As artists, we need to feel that support. And with the support, then we can we can risk. We can take a chance. We can stretch the oh, boundaries. Absolutely. And one of the things that's so wonderful about what you said is um, how people can come and go. I mean, just to have someone uh, or a community who understands when you need to go back to the cave, <laughs> you know, yes. do your writing or meditation or whatever it is, it's mm-hmm. it's hard to find people who understand that. So that's a, a really wonderful community, I think, for an artist of any type. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. Well, I know, speaking of an artist of any type, I know that you came to writing from dance and choreography. So I would love to hear about that and how your life as a dancer prepared you to be a writer and any similarities and differences that you see. Oh, I see a lot, actually. Uh, And thanks for asking me about this because I think my parents made for me the single most important decision that has affected my life. And in, in such a strong way, they enrolled me for dance classes when I was eight years old at the mm. local YMYWCA in downtown in the city of Newark, New Jersey. And it really shaped my life. It completely shaped my life, actually. And as soon as I began to put my bare feet on the floor and start to dance and improvise and use imagination with improvisation, and I had a, a teacher who at the time was uh, a student, I think. She was a student of Isadora Duncan. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, and she's really the pioneer of the, the the goddess, really, of modern dance, the creator of modern dance, Isadora Duncan. Mm-hmm. And so at that time, I decided I had to be a dancer. And I was around eight, nine years old. And I continued dancing all my life. And then uh, when I was a young adult, I ended up, I was always studying in New York City, and I ended up eventually dancing with Charles Weidman in New York City. And Charles Weidman was a contemporary of Martha Graham and Hanya Holm and Lois Cunningham and uh, Paul Keller, all of these people who at the time really were the, the uh, gods and goddesses of modern dance. And then I started my own company, uh, the Julie Maloney Dance Company, and I had that for 13 years, where I was a choreographer and dancer. And I feel the transition from choreographing to writing has been a, a, a harmonious one, because now I feel as if I'm dancing on the page. That's oh, how beautiful. <laughs> I'm really dancing on the page because if you think about it, you know, you're taking something from nothing when you're choreographing and you're moving things around, you're shaping things. You have an idea and you and you try to bring it to life. And when I was a dancer, my tool really, a dancer's tool is her body. And a writer's tool is her language. 
And that's so I, I switch tools in a way, but it actually, when I'm writing, I do feel that I'm more engaged and aware of my body because of my dance background. Mm-hmm. And what that means actually is I have to get up sometimes from my chair, lie down, put my legs on the wall, or do a headstand. <laughs> well, now you also practice yoga and teach yoga and writing, correct? Yes, I love and, yoga. Uh, and, uh, mm-hmm. I was just going to ask, how does that fit into all of this for you? Well, when all of, our, all of my workshops begin with breathing exercises to settle in, is what I say, uh, to mm-hmm. settle in, to discover the sizzle. And mm-hmm. when, so when we, we settle in through breathing, and the, the writing and yoga, I love combining that because I bring in a wonderful yoga teacher. I rent a yoga studio, and we'll have a full day of uh, writing and in between then having yoga, very gentle yoga. And we'll talk about the chakras, and for instance, if we're talking about the heart chakra, then we'll have something that is a prompt that will work drawing us from the heart. And that, that always... Is appealing to anyone who is just trying to find a day where they can breathe and they can write. They mm-hmm. still have the reading aloud. They might divide up into partners of two and read aloud. And then the critiquing is about what's working. So over the years, what's happened is I, I guess all the things that I love, I've tried to bring together because the yoga, the writing, the idea of engaging the body, and being completely present, mm-hmm. I think that feeds our soul. It, it, it feeds us. And I see people leave as more in a more glowing way after they feel more present. They leave a workshop. They leave writing and yoga. They leave a retreat. And I think they've filled up for the day or for the week. And I think that's what we have to do as artists. We have to continually renew and recharge. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, I want to make sure we have time to talk about your novel, too. I understand that your agent is currently in the process of submitting that, and it's your debut novel. Um, yes. I'd love to hear about that. Yes. Uh, my novel, I discovered the character uh, some years ago in a workshop when I was uh, writing in response to a prompt and the novel, I, I guess you could say I'm obsessed uh, with mm-hmm. this novel in, in a way that I relish, really. And I've been, that's what I've been doing, for instance, today, before you called, working, working like mad on it, revising different things. I've learned so much about the writing po- process by writing this novel. And I feel, I feel very, very good about it. I think it's probably the hardest thing... I've ever had to do creatively is write this novel. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I do. I mean, so it's it's a huge challenge to just to have all of this going on and having the characters appear on the page the way they are in my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, it's a huge challenge and continually, I'm continually working on it. They said, I feel very, very fortunate to have an agent who believes in the book 
and uh, together we, we are determined to get this out there. Uh, and I, I love, love, love writing it. I love being a writer. Oh, fantastic. And I think um, I think that a, a sustained project like that is almost always harder because you have to keep your mind in it to a certain extent or be able to come back to it in the same way. Whereas yeah. when you're working on poems, you, you start over in a sense with each one. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think that having the continued narrative go on and every day I'm thinking about it, at night I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about it when I'm driving down the road, I'm thinking about it, and, uh, and they're, you know, they're all living with me inside my head. And uh, and I want to do justice to them. I want to. I really want the characters to to say what they want to say. I, I want to be fair to them. Yeah. Well, um, you just have so many talents. It's really overwhelming and, and amazing to me. And I know one of the other things that you did was that you took the the photo that's on the cover of your book, Private Landscape. And I think I heard you mention somewhere that when you took it, you just had no idea that it would end up on this book someday and that it was kind of an interesting story behind it. So I would love yes. to hear about that. Yeah, the cover, I love photography. When I when I stopped dancing, it was a time for me to explore and discover where I would go from there. And I found myself picking up the camera because, again, it's I think it's really about what we see, how we see the world that... Uh, maybe helps us put one foot in front of the other. And so when I was looking through the lens, I I just felt that I had another insight to how I was living, what I was thinking and what I was feeling. Mm. So my husband, my husband and I were on a trip in Provence in France, and I we were uh, staying at this hotel, and they had these uh, sculptures that were sort of in on a mountain on the grounds, and I just snapped it. And I had no idea, as you just mentioned, that it would end up being on the cover. But when I felt that I was really writing this collection is about the, a lot about the woman, the woman's body, and going through cancer, but it's also, it's also about being a woman. And when I saw this, this beautiful sculpture, I took the, the shot, and then I was going through what would be on the cover, and it just jumped out at me. It was, there was really no contest. It jumped out at me. It's a beautiful, beautiful photo. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Melissa. Well, I, I have one final question, and I'm not even really sure how to articulate it, so maybe we can find our way together through this, but um, something has really intrigued me that's kind of come up multiple times in the interview, and um, it's the idea of reading aloud um, you know, writing something on the page and then reading it aloud. First, you're you're putting yourself out there on the page, and then it's yet another step to go and read mm-hmm. it. And I feel that that second step is really important to you. And um, I just wanted to see if you could elaborate on that a little bit about why it's important to to make that next step and to share it orally, and how that's different from putting it on the page. No, I, that's a good question, and uh, I think what it does, I believe what it does, and I feel actually confident that what 
the writer does when she reads aloud is she acknowledges the power of her voice. And that when we find that we have a sound and we add a sound to it, when we add our own tone and our inflection and our passion and we allow our heart maybe to move through the throat and out the mouth, uh, I think then we are adding a whole new dimension to voice. What is voice? So putting everything on the page, of course, is, is the first step, and it's a huge step. But then if we can acknowledge that we have a power in our voice to sound and we hear the music and the lyricism of our own sound, something happens because we've added a new element to the the black print, if you would, that's on the page. Hmm. And, and it becomes a song. It really becomes a song. And, and sometimes I may have a writer... And who was reading very quickly and maybe quietly, and I, I may very gently stop them and say, "Take a breath, put your hand on your lower belly, and now if you would just read it again to us very slowly, uh-huh. and then something beautiful happens. A whole transformation happens, and the writer becomes aware of the beauty of her own, of her own voice, of her own sound behind the words." You know what else is interesting about this? Um, you were talking earlier about being present in the body while writing, and now yes. what I'm seeing, just from what you told me about putting the hand on the belly, coming to a whole new level of presence in the body when giving the reading. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you tonight. Thank you so much for joining me. And is there anything before we close that you would like to announce, any other publications or events or anything that we didn't get to during the show? Well, I just would like, first of all, thank you so much, Melissa, for inviting me. It's a pleasure, a real pleasure to talk to you. And I would love people to visit our website, to go to womenreadingaloud.org. They can contact me at uh, my email, julie, at womenreadingaloud.org. And uh, have fun looking at the pictures and to keep on writing and to keep on reading. Okay. Thank you so much. And I look forward to reading more of your work and uh, seeing your novel. Oh, <laughs> Melissa. Did. Thank you so much, Melissa. <laughs> oh, you too. You have a wonderful night. Thanks, Melissa. And um, I want to say a huge thank you also to our listeners for being with us tonight. It's my pleasure to announce that 12 of our Teferit Talk episodes have been released as a collection in book form, and it's now available for purchase at our website, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and other fine retailers. The collection includes a special introduction by publisher Donna Bear Stein, as well as photos and bios for all of the interviewees, and it's really, really beautiful. Also, our next interview is in just a couple of weeks on April 28th with fabulous writing couple Helen Cardona and John Fitzgerald. We hope you'll join us then. Good night. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.